Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. you from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And a good morning. I am Jim Shoemaker. and Welcome to Talk Money. Talk Money is devoted to helping with your, you with your financial life by assisting you to getting your financial house in order. In fact, as we go through the program, you're going to find that we're dedicated to assist you actually in this confusing financial world where you're exposed to so much information. It's coming at you like a fire hose, and we've got to make some kind of sense to it. Our desire is to help you develop your financial roadmap in order to achieve your financial dreams and goals. We bring insights that help you avoid emotionally driven decisions. Have you ever been caught in that process where you're trying to make a decision and your emotions begin to get involved, or you've made a decision, and now you're wishing you hadn't done that. Well, that's what this program is all about, to kind of guide you through some of those emotionally driven decisions about your money. We discuss quality products and ways to make you selections of which product fits you best and how you go about finding it and how do you ask the questions to make sure it fits. Talk Money is about giving you information to help you Make the most of your money. Here's some information that we've got coming up in today's program. Market volatility has been extremely low lately. We're going to talk about that. In fact, the VIX, some kind of a measurement tool, we'll talk a little bit about what that means. It's at its lowest rate in 12 years. Wow. That literally tells you a little bit about the market volatility. The U.S. data that's been coming out, it's been mixed in recent weeks, but it appears that we're going to see growth through the rest of the year. We've uh, got David Land going to be with us of Advantage Capital. He's going to help us kind of understand what to expect for the summer. Are there reasons for optimism? That's going to be one of the biggest questions I want to ask him. If people are optimistic, guess what? We tend to be more investment-oriented. And I'm not talking about stocks, bonds, and cash. Yeah, maybe you want to think about that. But I'm talking about houses, cars, vacations. That's what we get involved in when we're optimistic. And it's the summer coming. All of that's great for the economy. So what are we going to find out a little bit about what could possibly go wrong? Well, inflation, if it's it rises and the Fed tightens more than anticipated. That could be some headwinds that we want to talk about. He's got a lot of things he's going to give us some idea. The passage of the health care reform in the House, you know, that was really good. You know, maybe both positive and negative. You know, positive in the fact that all of a sudden the Republicans begin to work together. Negative in the fact that tax reform, which we were all very interested in, maybe that's going to get sidetracked. And that's what we got to find out. Will equities continue to outperform bonds over the next six months? Great question. We'll ask him, what about Europe? That's all in the first half of a jam-packed program. The second half, we've got Ted Miner. He's going to ask, answer your questions that you've had about retirement. He will specifically discuss the fears 
of retirement. We'll find out why Social Security is not keeping pace with the real cost of living increases. We'll find out how much you will need to cover your health care cost when you retire. You might be surprised. Hey, uh, by the way, happy Mother's Day coming up. Thanks so much for being a part of today's program. Stay with us. It's just jam-packed. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time. It is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I am Jim Shoemaker, and I want to remind everybody, Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. Our guest today is David Land with Advantis Capital. And uh, as we talked about a little bit in the uh, monologue, talked about the volatility index, known, of course, uh, by most people. Everybody knows it as the ticker symbol VIX. And it's a popular measure of implied volatility of the S&P 500. And it tells us literally managing options. And so here's my first question to David Land, who is with Advantage Capital. David, welcome to the program, sir. He is a portfolio manager, vice president, certified financial analyst, and um, I mean, a dear friend and does a great job very many times he's been on this program. Welcome to the program, David. Good morning, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I really I've talked about this volatility index because it's a 12-year low, and it's almost like we, we kind of talked about, you know, heading into the summer, there's some optimism. Is this an indication of that optimism? It could be, Jim. Uh, there's lots of explanations why it could be that low. Uh, part of it is the opt- people are optimistic uh, about tax cuts and maybe infrastructure spending. And, and I think another part of it is, Jim, <clears throat> up until now, every central bank has kind of been on the same page about uh, easing uh, monetary policy. So, so I think there's a couple things that account for the VIX or, or that volatility index you're referring to being so low. You know, let me ask you this. I mean, I know as we think about optimism, and I and I started a little bit about optimism because optimism, whether it's business-oriented where the business owner is thinking about optimism or even the consumer, we have a tendency to spend money. And I think I really want to find out, do you feel that businesses, as a result of this 
okay, the first 100 days, now we're into the middle of May. Uh, are businesses optimistic about what they prospects of this meaningful tax reform? I mean, I just I talked a little bit about the you know the fact that the Republicans finally have moved something about Affordable Care Act, and they've said they're going to do something. Are they going to get so bogged down in that that they're not going to be able to get to the tax reform, or do you feel like that's going to happen, and that's why the optimism is there, Jim? I, I Yes, I hope they get there. I hope we get the tax cuts. I, I think that Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, uh, it's, I certainly think he's focused on it. And, you know, Jim, so many things in Washington, people get distracted uh, by this thing or that thing. But the reason people get elected is to make their lives better, Jim. And I think reducing tax bills, getting business optimism, consumer optimism up so people will go out and spend money uh, and businesses will invest capital spending that will make us more productive. All those things are really reasons to be optimistic, and I think Steve Mnuchin, uh, it's our opinion that he will focus on that in the second half of the year. There needs to be some focus in Washington on on doing the people's business, uh, which is what we're talking about. You know, I know the IRS made a comment or has put out some some information about this, and I know he he had a a one-page outline of what the White House thought about it. This was back in the latter part of April about tax reform, and it said that Doubling the standard tax deduction, the standard deduction for a joint return was going to go from 12700 to 24000 And, you know, that's a big step, and that affects about 70% of the tax returns. And so when you think about that, that is putting a lot of spendable dollars into a lot of people's pocket. Absolutely. And isn't that a great thing, Jim, that we're going to let people who work keep, keep more of the money that they make? Isn't that a great idea that, that that people would be able to do that? So, obviously, if I was trying to say keep a promise, that's a pretty good promise. He's trying to say I'm going to put more money back in your pocket. That's a good thing. But he also comes back and says he's going to do some things for businesses. Now, I really want to help. I really kind of want you to focus on the business side. I mean, it's both sides, and tax reform is critical. And I really believe we are we are seeing momentum from that. And I think that is one of the reasons for optimism. But what do you think really happens if some of the things that he decides to push through from a from a business tax reform, what do you think that's really going to do for us? Well, well, one of the big things is, Jim, you know, so many of our companies have operations all over the world. Uh, they, they have operations in Europe, and they have operations in Great Britain and Ireland, and the corporate tax rates there are lower than the U.S., <clears throat> and they've kept some of the cash that, that they've made in those countries there because if they bring them back to the U.S., they have to pay the higher tax rate. So there's literally billions of dollars that S&P 500 companies have overseas that aren't coming back home because we have higher corporate tax rates. One of the great things would be if we can get this worked out is that they'd be able to bring those dollars back from overseas, Jim, back to the U.S., uh, and, and I think that would be a very positive uh, impact. You know, David, I'm not the brightest blub on the tree, so I, uh, I have you're to... You're smarter <laughs> than you, you let on. <laughs> but that is so simple for me to understand. If if I'm having to pay a higher tax rate in the country that I am domiciled, I will then move money to a country that I do not have to pay the taxes. I mean, obviously, more taxes I pay, less money I have to invest. If he is able to, the Republicans or Trump or whatever you want to say, whoever who gets it done changes that process and we're able to reduce that rate and move dollars back, I don't see why that's not as obvious as the nose on your face 
that that's a positive thing for the economy. You're absolutely, Jim, you're absolutely right. It is a positive, good thing for the economy. And I'm like you, I, Republican, Democrat, whoever can get this done, Jim, it's a positive thing for the country. It should be done. And, and I want to drive home. This is really the people's business, things that are going to impact people's lives, putting more money in their pockets, getting that foreign dollars back here so companies can invest uh, in the U.S. So I, I think that's all reason to be optimistic. And I think everybody should be focused on what's best for the country. David, I know when you are going through the process as a portfolio manager and you think about business spending, you think that leads to jobs. And obviously jobs are more critical to the economy than a lot of people really, really do understand. Can you give me a, just kind of a, I mean, our unemployment rate right now is below, I think it's 4.4, I read. Is that correct? I mean, it's, it's like... Ballpark, yes, sir. Yeah, I don't have, right the, exact I don't have the exact number. Right. right, that sounds close. And I read where Europe is like at nine. So we're still, we're, we're doing great. Can we actually find, are we, are we still having, are we still looking to create more jobs for this 4.5% people that are unemployed? Are we at a point where at full employment? Or when we talk about jobs today, are we creating higher paying, better situated jobs for this group of people that in 2008, nine during the recession, lost that high paying job and can't get back into the system? Is that what we're talking about? Because I think when we talk about the optimistic side of business and moving through the summer, jobs People can get excited about creating higher-paying, better-performing jobs. Yes, sir. And you're right. Uh, you said a lot there, Jim, and there's so much what you said is, is spot on. The unemployment rate is low. But remember, we had a lot of people, as you mentioned, exit the workforce in 2008. Uh, they got discouraged. They couldn't find jobs. But now that we're starting to create, you know, we've had multiple months uh, of good employment growth. We're starting to bring back those discouraged workers back into the labor force. So I think we're near full employment. We believe we're getting close to full employment. But, you know, we can also bring back some of those people that left the workforce back in now that they see the opportunity to go out and apply for a job and get it. And, yes, as, as we create more jobs and unemployment rate falls, uh, wages start to rise, which is good for workers. I think that's fantastic. But we also get a little concerned about inflation. Uh, I want to talk about that in a few minutes. Before you throw a blanket on everything we're talking about. I'm not but, throwing a blanket. <laughs> but, well, I just, you know, but you're right. I mean, I know I know that's exactly what we have to think about. By the way, if you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. Uh, you're listening to Talk Money. My guest is David Lynn. He is a CFA. That's a certified financial analyst. He's a vice president and portfolio manager and a total return fund for advanced capital management. This guy's in the trenches. He's making decisions on a day-to-day basis. Frequent guest of ours, dear friend, and does a great job and help us understanding, giving us some understanding of what's going on and for what for as as investors, as people in the financial world, what to think about, what to look for. But David, when you talk about this, I know you kind of mentioned the idea about inflation, but but hold on to that. Keep that in the box because I really think we talked about home prices. We I was thinking about home prices. We talk about giving consumer some confidence. Price we're seeing a shortage of homes. I was reading that the millennials are now saying, "I want to move out from mom and dad. I'm ready to go find a house, and there's nothing there." And I actually read in the journal that they were builders. They're saying they're going to start building, and I'm going to call them. Uh, post-World War II homes, 
because they were just track homes. And, and they said that they were going to start building that type of a house simply because the demand was there by the millennials. Now, I, I can't give you that, cite that, and so I may be off a little bit on that. But but it, are you seeing that? There's this movement is what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. T- two things there, and, and you're spot on. There's been a shortage of starter homes. So, yeah, that's what I should have called them, starter homes. <laughs> yes, sir. There, there's just been a little bit of shortage in starter homes. Uh, and there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, but, but yes, the millennials are, you know, starting to move out. Rents have gone up so much, you know, 4 or 5% per annum for so long that, that the cost of renting has become, you know, relatively not attractive to the cost of home ownership. And rates are so low that you can get a mortgage at a very attractive rate. So, yes, I, I think we are starting to see uh, millennials start to move in. And the problem they're having is trying to find that first-time house that's, you know, let's call it in the $250,000 range, uh, because there's just not enough of them being built. So it's everything you're saying is true. There's been a shortage uh, of construction relative to uh, family formation. We underbuilt quite a bit, Jim. Uh, We overbuilt pre-bubble, 2005, 2006. We overbuilt a number of homes. And then the correction in the housing market was so severe that we've kind of underbuilt those those first-time starter homes. All right, let's summarize, because I I do want to talk about what could go wrong. But first of all, we've said there is some reasons for optimism, and that is business is optimistic. Tax cuts are possibilities, and that whether it's the business tax cut or the individual tax cut, those cuts are positive to the economy. It's positive to the consumer. Therefore, the result is business optimism, and consumer optimism creates jobs. You mentioned that. What else would you want to summarize before we go into what could possibly go wrong? What would be your thought process, David? Well, well, we're positive on all those things. We think those are good. The other thing that we'd love to see, Jim, is some infrastructure spending, which was another campaign promise. Uh, So so we do think that there's a real need in this country to to improve our roads, bridges, uh, airports, other forms of transportation to get the country ready for for the next hundred years. with rates so low, we think the government can borrow at attractive rates. We think there's uh, opportunities for them to do that uh, and then put it into things that make Americans more productive. Uh, so, so that would be the other missing piece. All that would be very pro-growth for the economy and would probably raise our GDP from, you know, we've been kind of, let's call it, in the two to two and a half range. We think that if all these things happen, we could move to a higher growth trajectory, which would be positive for almost everybody. Well, this is, I mean, I think what you've done is you've you've allowed us to see why the VIX may be low. The volatility is obviously why it's measuring. A lot of people look at the VIX and say, well, it's good because the VIX is low. It's good to invest. I want to be careful with that. That's not an indication that you should run out and invest just because you have a low VIX. But the reality is, David, you're saying there is some reasons for, there are some reasons for a reasonable amount of optimism for the summer. Now, that's what I want to leave with everybody. I believe that's what David said, and I, and I think we're all understand that. David Land is the Vice President and Portfolio Manager and Total Return Fund at Vanis Capital Management. When he come, when we come back, David's going to kind of give us some reasons why we need to go, all right, be careful. Yes, we're optimistic, but what could go wrong? And as a portfolio manager, that's his responsibility looking at both sides. Now, I'll have to say this, he's not always right. But he sure is a lot more right than most of us are because he does it for a living. And that's a good thing about it. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Stay with us. We'll be right back right after this. 
You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Hey, we've got some Mother's Day, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in the latter part of the program. Just a couple of things that you may have learned from your mom when you were, uh, you know, just a tyke running around the house. And uh, I have a couple of those. We'll kind of give you a couple of those things that I can remember my mother saying to me. That'll be coming up in the latter part of the program at the very end. So stay with us, and uh, you might uh, have a couple of those ideas that you could remind yourselves that, uh, remember Mom telling me about that, too. But my guest is David Land. He is a vice president and portfolio manager of the Total Return Fund, Advantage Capital Management, and a professional that stays very much involved with the market, and a frequent guest of ours, does a great job. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, optimism and all the positive things about optimism and the consumer and the business. And even David had to slip in a little bit of something that we kind of have to go, oh, no, that's a little bit of negative. But the reality is it is reality, and that is inflation. If it rises faster than we would like for it to do. We know the Feds would have to. The Fed would have to do something. We need to make sure we understand that. So, David, you mentioned inflation. You talked about the fact that if it does begin to heat up, what do you anticipate from the Fed? Well, we, Jim, we know that they, they they've raised rates already. We know that they want to raise rates. They want to shrink the size of their balance sheet. So during the financial crisis, they bought a bunch of securities, government securities on their balance sheet, and, and they want to start selling those. So we talked about, uh, you'd mentioned the VIX index is really low. <clears throat> and everybody kind of, all the central banks, not only the Fed, but central banks in Europe and in Asia all began on, a, on an easing cycle, making credit more available, making the cost of credit lower. Well, well Jim, we know that the U.S. is starting to, to, to gradually phase out of that in response to the growth we've seen. If inflation were to surprise on the upside, the gradual path of, would might become steeper, and that would upset the markets, and, and that might cause the VIX to lift, that might cause interest rates to go higher than people anticipated. Higher mortgage rates as a result of that. So uh, that's one issue that, that, that we should be cognizant of. And again, cognizant meaning the fact that it's a headwind, be sensitive to it. So even though we can be optimistic and think about tax reform, think about jobs, think about, you know, people buying homes, taking vacations, all those things are positive. But if we see it get heated up, we know the Fed, you know, we should be mindful of the fact that his Fed's going to tighten monetary policy. And we know that's just controlling the supply of money. Um, Thoughts about foreign policy. Uh, What do you think about, I mean, you know, right now we have a little bit of a it's all about America. It's all about the U.S. and you guys overseas need to get ready for that. Is that going to create some risk? Yeah, there, there's certainly uncertainty um, when our longstanding relationships are are called into question. Uh, re- remember, we talked about VIX volatility index. Certainly, there's more uncertainty surrounding U.S. foreign policy, uh, and that puts everybody a little uncomfortable, Jim. Uh, 
I know in our personal lives, we get comfortable with relationships uh, and we feel how we know the other person is going to respond. If that changes, uh, we feel a little more anxious in dealing with people. We don't know how they're going to respond. And so I certainly think if we can draw the analogy that everybody felt they knew how the U.S. would respond to X, Y, or Z, and now maybe those relationships don't hold that, that may create some anxiety uh, internationally, and that may be reflected in in the financial markets. You know, I heard someone say, David, that, well, who cares? You know, the U.S. is the largest economy in the world. Everybody needs to get behind us and just follow us. That's not how it works. It's ge- You know, when you look at geopolitical risk, when you look at the global facts, I mean, there, there's a lot going on that we need to face as far as we look at the world. We are a part of a world economy. Now, we may be the largest economy, but we still have to play with everybody who comes to the table. Absolutely, Jim. And, and, you know, look no further than the problems or or the issues in North Korea, where where it is useful if the U.S. can gain Chinese cooperation, and they're a significant trading partner of ours. So because we have those economic ties uh, that are important to both countries, uh, it may be helpful for us to get the, the Chinese to try to get the North Koreans to behave a little bit better than they have been. What about Europe, debt crisis? I mean, I know taking Greece out of the picture, I mean, this, we still could talk about Greece over and over and over again. But uh, Europe um, issues, because right now we've seen some real movement with European stocks. I mean, there's been a rise. It's actually seeing doing a little bit better than U.S. domestic stocks. But what, what are you thinking about when you look at the debt crisis that could develop in Europe? But, you know, the Italians are, are probably the poster country for this. They, they have a lot of debt. Uh, as a nation. Uh, they're not as productive, let's say, as the German economy. So it, it is possible if you're asking risk, what could go wrong? Uh, one of the things we're always mindful of is that, that there's still large debt levels in Europe, that the economies are aging very quickly in Europe. Uh, they're getting older, shrinking workforce. It may become harder to service the debt. Um, so we, we, we think that's an issue. That, that will always be in the background, Jim. May not always be a front burner risk, but just kind of a background type of a thing, and it would become more of a risk if it moved to the front burner. All right, summarize for me. We, uh, You have talked about optimism, reasons for optimism. You've talked about business. You talked about the consumer, tax reform. You talked about, I mean, the whole concept, millennials buying homes. I mean, we've got a need for homes. We've got all kind of things, passing the tax cuts. That's good for individuals and corporations. And then you talk about some risk. I mean, inflation risk, geopolitical risk. I mean, we our foreign policy, you're, boy, I like the way you said it. It's good when you relationships, everybody knows what's going on. And we simply have a president today that might be kind of shaking up the table a little bit. So that's an issue. And the debt crisis. So all of that, put it together, swirling around in a soup. What do you think? What do you look for for the summer? Jim, I, I would think uh, we're going to take our cues from the ability to get those positive things that we talked about, tax cuts, uh, infrastructure spending. All that has to get passed through Congress, and I think the markets will probably kind of key in on how, how Washington's getting along and if they're moving down that that path. And I think if we move down that path, Jim, I think things are, are, are going to look pretty good. Well, I like what you say. It. Equities look attractive, probably will outperform bonds. It's, uh, you know, but we better look at that. I mean, returns limited, but you're still optimistic. And I appreciate your thoughts through that. If you've been listening, of course, I'm talking with David Land. He is the vice president of Advantis 
Capital Management, a frequent guest of ours. We've talked about what's good and what's bad. And uh, I appreciate the fact, David, that you've done that for us. And you've tied it together. And I I think it's so important for us to understand that someone in your chair, where you're doing it every day, looks at both the good and the bad and then makes decisions. That's what any investor should do. And that's what we're talking about. And that's why you're, uh, we like to have you on the program. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. And be sure to wish somebody a happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Jim. Take care. Have a good day. All right. All right. Coming back now, we're going to dive in with a guy in just a second. It's all about the fear of retirement. I mean, questions that you've asked us. And I asked you at the beginning of the program, you know, what's going to be the cost for health care? I mean, you might be surprised that it's not going to be a 25 cents a month. It may cost you a little bit more. You want to find out, my guest, Ted Miner, when we come back, more of Talk Money right here on KWAM 990. Listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Ida Wells was notorious in her time. She was a slave when she was born in 1862 in Holly Springs, Mississippi. But when the Civil War ended, she was able to begin attending school as a former slave through the Freedmen's Bureau. When she lost both parents to the yellow fever epidemic at the age of 16, she took a job as a teacher and moved to Memphis. After two incidents and when she was thrown off trains for sitting in the all-white sections, a circuit court judge ruled in her favor and awarded her $500, but his decision was later overruled by the Tennessee Supreme Court. Wells also worked as a journalist during this time, and after receiving death threats in response to her reporting of local lynchings, she moved north, first to New York and later to Chicago, and continued to write and speak publicly about the ongoing racial violence in the South. Although not as well known as Dr. Martin Luther King, Wells is revered today as an important leader in the civil rights movement. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money, as you know, is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm. Estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. And I want to thank them. They're one of our key players in what we do and the fact that they're able to help you move through a lot of those questions that you have when it comes to setting down and planning for retirement or working through your estate. It's all about elder law. The Mac Bailey Law Firm, Mac Bailey and his team, spends a lot of time with you, answers a lot of questions, and we're proud to have them as one of our sponsors. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. We've been talking with David Land, but this second half of the program, we're asking, you're, you know, you ask a lot of questions. You bring questions to us. You tell us what you would like to talk about. And what's actually happened is we've noticed that there is this fear. I mean, fear of retirement, all those questions that come about. 
And so we put together this program with Ted Miner, who is a Shoemaker Financial Advisor and does a phenomenal job of helping people understand Social Security, understanding retirement, Medicare, Medicaid. He guides people through that. His clients respond to him in a way they just constantly are telling me how much they appreciate what Ted does as he helps them and guides them. So it was important for us to put him into this program, answering your questions about retirement and how to get rid of the fear of retirement. Now, just just recently, I had someone said, hey, I'm going to retire next year, but I need to sit down and talk with you. I have this, and they literally, they use the word fear. Now, they're prepared. I, I've known them for a long time. They're prepared. But it's the anxiety that creates that you know, we talk about it all the time. It's just basically emotional. It You have to make decisions. So I've asked Ted to handle some of these questions. And one of the questions is, how much is it going to cost me as far as my health insurance? So, Ted, retirees, all right, how much money do they need to, to pay for health care costs? Well, Jim, there's two numbers there. I think one of the things that when we, when we talk about retirement today is that uh, if you're talking about a big number, in terms of how much it cost a couple, maybe as much as a quarter of a million dollars in retirement. But 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 along with that comes the fact that they have this longevity issue they got to deal with. When you look at the numbers that that come from this survey that uh, Life Health did, uh, the numbers from 2014 show that an average person from age 65 to 70 would spend about fifty nine hundred dollars a year, and you know you you live twenty seven years, twenty five years in retirement. That's one hundred and thirty, hundred forty thousand dollars. So, so the number you're talking about, and really what you're saying is, it has to do with the fact that twenty five, thirty, forty years ago, people retire, live five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, they were done. But today, with and, and I'm a perfect example of that. You know, literally, people today with medical the ability for the medical profession to do a better job of keeping us around. Obviously, that's part of that longevity you're talking about. People are living to be 100. You know, the you, you, way you mentioned that, keeping us around. You know, we've done a real good job of helping people get old. We haven't done as good of a job at keeping them well. And so, I mean, even in this survey, they asked the question, would you like to be 120? Now, you know, 56% of the people in this survey said they don't want to live to be 120. I guarantee you, <laughs> if they could be healthy at 120, they'd have that, said yes. They would have said yes. Yeah. Exactly so, right. the, so, the, so the question is the quality, the quality of lifestyle that they're trying to live, and that's the type of answer that they're really looking for. They just don't expect that living to 120 that they can be very healthy and they would enjoy life. So you're saying that for to answer the question, how much money is it going to talk, you're saying a person, husband and wife, need to plan. The wife's going to live longer, but they need to plan for, say that number again. Well, it's actually $135,000 for a man, dollars well, backwards, $135,000 for a woman, $125,000 for a man because the woman usually lives longer. And you add that together? Or it, yeah, that's $260,000 for a couple. That's a lot of money. Ouch. I, you know what? I don't think many people think about that. I mean, Gil, the bottom line is that's a reality, isn't it? That's a, that's a thought. Yeah, but again, that's, again, that is over a long period of time. That's over maybe a 20-year period of time. That's and so a, when you work with your clients, are you not, you're not telling them, hey, give me 100, 265000 or something like that in order to pay for you. You're saying that's a part of your budget over a long period of time. That's correct. And, you know, and another part of the anxiety that comes today, you know, you mentioned, first of all, uh, information overload. There's a tremendous amount of information. People sometimes don't know how to process that information. They get it. They hear it. They don't know how to respond to it. 
just the fact that employers have gone from defined benefit plans to the 401k, from a pension to a 401k, has put a lot into the lap of individuals when they start thinking about and trying to plan through retirement. Well, you know, that's something that this program is all about. I mean, the reality is we've gone, we've seen in my lifetime, in my career, I've seen it some somewhat where the company took care of the employee mm-hmm. to today the employee is responsible to take care of themselves. And that is a burden for a lot of people who are not astute in financial mind. They just don't have that financial mindset. So they may be great at one thing, and most of the time it has to do with they're so busy, they just don't know how to put that mindset together and that's what we do. That's our whole thought process. Most of these people, when you when you look at this, this actual survey came from 18 fears that people have. Uh, and you look at those issues, and they're really things that most people don't think about. Now, you mentioned someone came to you a year before they're ready to retire. Right, now, right. you may find someone like that that comes to you, and they've got all the resources to be able to put it together and do it. But most of the time, when, when I talk to someone that says, I want to retire next year, most of the time, they're probably not in a position not to ready be ready because they haven't thought about it long enough. Well, when they talk about living longer, and we again, this question being about how much does it cost for health care, you talked about many retirees or actually one health care crisis from a financial collapse. That that bothers me. And that uh, you know, I had a financial quote unquote crisis almost ten years ago, mm-hmm. and people don't realize that that can be just. Just tomorrow, this afternoon, or within the next hour. Now, you you know, talking about fear, this what it said was that half of the non-retired, otherwise these are pre, or the pre-retired people, half of the non-retired Americans believe that the health care expenses of fifteen thousand dollars or more would put them in a position that would uh, compromise their financial security and retirement. That is that is shocking when you think about that. That is kind of a situation where people have to go through that process and have to, you know, manage that. Um, let me let me put it to you from this standpoint. I guess I'm looking. I'm thinking about living longer than we than we normally have. Are women more financially astute, or or what are you finding when you're counseling the 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 wife in the situation? Because I have a lot of times where we come in and people are talking. I have seen this rise in the last five or six or seven or maybe 10 years where it is now a real two-way street conversation where it used to be almost exclusively dominated by the man. Yeah, I think you've got a couple of issues that, you know, certainly the people that are retiring today, you know, they've gone through the period of time where I'm 60 years old. And certainly the model that my family had, Lily was raising the the boys and helping the boys as they were going to school. And she really didn't get into the workforce. She did when she was, uh, when we didn't have children and she has since the children have left the nest. Uh, and that's happened to a lot of homes. So you do find the elevation of a lot of women and many of them professionals and very astute when you mm-hmm. use that word. But, mm-hmm. but what's happened is historically or statistically, when you look at the numbers, women are not in the position that men are in today. And a lot of that has happened because of divorce and also because of the uh, because of the workforce, oh, they're delaying retirement. Uh, they've got debt. They're they're pushing it off, and so they're in that situation where they are fragile. They they they're having to really do some specific planning and and, and working through that issue where they're trying to because of either divorce or something like that. I know women in the last couple of years in their fifties, their their debts doubled. 
So how do you guide that? How do you help them understand what they do? You help them understand they need to delay Social Security, because, as you know, that's been a problem. The question that we got pertaining to this situation, when do I start Social Security? And almost without exception, every one of them think I need to do it when I turn 62. And you're telling them no. And then in this in this particular survey, again, I think uh, the women that answered that question said they made their choice because of a, a, a life event. Again, whether that was divorce, whether it was health or whatever, but they made only 7% of the women chose to take their Social Security at 7. 93% of the women took Social Security early. Mm. So when you, And when you think about that, as, as you've just discussed, that 8% a year, which is huge from a standpoint of cash flow and retirement, is something they missed out on. But many of them said they had to do that. When we come back, I'm going to ask Ted, why is it that half of Americans today are afraid they're going to outlive their savings. Why is that so high? What's going wrong? What's wrong with us? Why do we think that? Well, Ted Miner's going to help us with that when we come back. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and we're talking about the fear of retirement. Stay with us. We'll be right back. In the white room with black curtains in the station. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. My guest, Ted Miner, we're talking about retirement, the fear of retirement. Many of your questions talk about, well, I got to think about this. I got to think about this. Here's what we had. And actually, you know, what Ted has done, he's pulled together the survey that he went and did some research on, and it said that half of Americans are afraid they're going to outlive their savings. Believe it or not, that's our number one question. We have people telling us all the time or coming to us saying, can I retire? Do I have enough? That's a huge question, folks. That's a question that uh, we are here to help you. And if you've got that question, let me give you Ted's numbers, 901-757-5757. Just give him a call. Ask him to walk you through a simple planning process to help you to know, do you have enough? Ted, why is that a question? Why is that so such a big question that so many people ask. Well, that, I mean, that's really what we're trying to do. When you talk about living after your life, of course, there's a question again, get back to that longevity. We don't know when we're going to die. That's the piece of the puzzle that we don't have. Right. So you've got this 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 uh, amount of money. How do you make that money last 
to when your life when your life expires or the length of time that that it should that it should uh, that you should live here on this earth. The biggest reason for that, Jim, goes to when you look at the. Did you know that the majority of Americans have less than a thousand dollars in savings now? I would have not guessed that, but the survey even goes further than that and says this. This is the one that really shocked me. Forty-five percent of Americans that make over a hundred thousand dollars a year have less than a thousand dollars in savings. Now that blows me away. I mean, and so really, the issue comes down to the fact that they don't have a lot of money in savings. And you know what you found out was this uh, Gen X group are now beginning to get concerned about it, and so and that we're saying, okay, if you're Gen Xer. It's time to get started. Don't wait till you're 60 to think about retirement. You need to start when you're 25. And you won't be like, you know, as you said, 50% of the Americans today having less than $1,000. That's hard to comprehend, but I sure do see it. I see it a lot. Now, if you're thinking right now, what do I do about this? Well, I can tell you that one of the best things that I think Ted does is help you understand. He looks at Social Security with you. He helps you understand your Medicare, your Medicaid, all your health costs, all those things that you have to do. But the bottom line is, it's to guide you through this emotional decision of retiring. And it is an emotional decision. It can, it needs to be logical. You need to be factual, and you need to be working with the numbers. But at the end of the day, it's all about emotions, and that is what Ted does. Ted, thanks, Guy, for doing the program today. I think you've done a great job walking you through well, this. thanks for the opportunity. And I appreciate, I appreciate it. it very much. Yeah. You know, I told you at the beginning of the program, I wanted to talk a little bit about Mother's Day and those things that happened when your mom was around. Well, a couple of them. My mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. Here's what she said. If you're going to kill each other... Do it outside. I just finished cleaning. <laughs> I had a little sister, folks, and that's what my mom would say. My mother also taught me about religion. You better pray that will come out of the carpet. Heard that more than once, Gil, all the time. My mother taught me about logic. Here's what she said. Because I said so. That's why. That's logic. I get that. I totally understand that. My, she also taught me a little bit more about logic. If you fall out of the swing, now listen, guys, you everyone, you, you ever, everybody listening has heard this. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. <laughs> Don't come crying to me. Don't come crying to me. You're not going to the store. Yeah, that's it. Don't come crying to me. You're not going to the store with me. My mother taught me about the science of osmosis. Think about it, guys. Here it is. Shut your mouth. And eat your spinach. (laughs) How that happened, I don't know. Moms were great. She told me about the weather. The room, your the room of yours, that this room of yours looks as if a tornado. I heard that more and more than once has gone through it. She also talked about hypocrisy. Now this is great. Here's what my mom said: If I told you once, I told you a million times. Don't exaggerate. Is that not moms? That is the greatest thing about moms. They are so good. She also taught me about behavior modification. Ready? Typical. I'm, I'm waiting on this one. <laughs> Stop acting like your father. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they would say. My mother was good at that. She said, also, my mother taught me about anticipation. 
All right, you're, I remember hearing this. She would go to the phone and she'd call my dad. She said, "You just wait till he gets home." <laughs> you ever hear that, Gil? Oh, more than once. You know, I remember my mom going to the phone. I made the big mistake one time of my mom went to to spank me with a broom, and I made a terrible mistake taking the. I'm a little bit older, dude. Taking the broom <laughs> away from her, breaking the broom, and handing it back to her. My dad got home. I thought I was going to end up being killed. You know, no question about oh, it. Man. Moms are great. Moms are great. My mother taught me about how to. Be Become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. Do you ever hear that? Well, I've heard plenty of things. You know, every one of these things are very articulate. They're, you know, we talk about word pictures, and every one of them is a very good word picture because they, they create a huge image in our mind. <laughs> but we remember <laughs> That's them. right. You ever heard this one before? My mother taught me about my roots. She said, shut the door behind you. Do you think you were born in a, a barn. barn that's right <laughs> every one of us heard that and your mother taught you about wisdom when you get to be my age you'll understand moms are great and we appreciate our moms we thank them so much for what they do the reality is folks this has been a great program ted mine has done a great job about talking about the fear of retirement and of course uh richard land as always uh, helped us understand what's going on with optimism and pessimism what's going on with the current economy the vix and everything about this summer what to look for i want to say thank you to gil worth my producer and board operator guest and content coordination francis fortner production assistant eleanor Moskovich, Compliance Officer Tommy Armstrong, and my Mid-South History Moment is read by Rebecca Brasher, written by Drew Johnson. Hey guys, thanks for being a part of the program. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. I appreciate you listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.